War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which happens to be DePietro.com. It's Friday. Happy Friday, one and all. It is November 4th, and the election is coming up on Tuesday. So last night, I did attend, for those of you that maybe, I'm sure you, hopefully you saw it. Um, so there were two debates yesterday. One was the four o'clock hour with commercials. NBC 10 had, Channel 10 had CD2, Congressional District 2, Republican Alan Fung against Seth Magazine of the General Treasurer. Now, one thing that I have said over the course of this campaign season and when the, the match was set, Seth Magaziner is a very good debater. I mean, he is, I don't agree with his policies, did a decent job as treasurer. I think Fung would be better in Congress. I'm voting for Alan Fung. I'm rooting for Alan Fung. But that doesn't mean Magaziner. He is a, a machine. He is a student. He's very disciplined. He's not very likable. He's not very likable on the campaign trail, but put him on a, a debate stage. Um, you know, he has a good education. Think who the family is and the father and so forth. And he is a good debater. So he was very aggressive <coughs> and kind of had to be because right now Alan Fung is leading. Now, this is going to be a tight race and it's a toss up. Um, it could go either way. I, I I think that Mayor Fung is going to pull it out, but it's going to be really, really close. We're going to see exactly where this is going to go. So, Magaziner, he's counting on Democrat turnout. He's counting on Union Machine. He's counting on <clears throat> the, the unions getting the mail ballots in Providence and propelling him to victory. I think Magaziner is looking to try to make it close in Cranston. Don't get crushed in Cranston. Make it close in Warwick. I think Fung could win, I think he will win, Cranston and Warwick. But I think where Magaziner is looking to make gains and go over the top will be down in Narragansett. It tends to be a pretty progressive, liberal progressive, earthy, crunchy, and then in Providence. That's how I view the map. Now, but Mayor Funk, he's run a great race it is very close. I think right now, and this final weekend, and the weather is good, so the campaigns can be out, and it's a get out the vote. I, um, and then the, the weather should stay strong until Tuesday, and then the polls close Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and we're going to have, we should know. And, and all the national attention, I think it has helped Mayor Fung. I think it's helped his confidence. The money... The Republican Party keeps pumping money into the race, and these different PACs pumping money into the race. Another Republican PAC just pumped another 500000 into the race. So say this about the Republican Party. They are there. Now, I'm going to repeat what I've said. What we need, <clears throat> the state needs balance. You don't need, David Cicilline doesn't need another little protege with him in Washington. 
It would be nice. The Republicans are going to win, and they're going to win big on Tuesday night. They're going to take control of the House. There's a very good chance right now they're going to take control of the Senate. The Republican Party, everything is breaking their way, and it's, it's about time. The progressive Democrat policies have failed. Folks, it's really simple. I mean, <clears throat> is there anyone that thinks we're better off two years in on this Biden experiment? I mean, it's, it's terrible. Look at, all you have to do is a lot of people still go shopping on Friday and Saturday and, and look at the price of things. It's, um, these are failed policies and strategy and Magazina would, would do nothing to help Rhode Island. I, I can't stress enough, and I don't think enough has been made of the fact that unless you're with the party in power, you don't, you know, it's, it's not that great down there. Like Cicilline right now, because David Cicilline has a prominent role because Nancy Pelosi is the speaker and the Democrats are in power. Republicans are going to be in power. Seth Magazine is going to be nowhere. He's going to be a freshman backbencher with no authority, no committees. There's an opportunity for Rhode Island to have someone in the mix with the party that's going to be in the mix. If the state needs anything, it's balance. <clears throat> I like Mayor Fung's chances in CD2. I still like him in this race. I think, um, in a big part, even though they just have that part of Providence, the the thing, un unless you have people from Pawtucket and Central Falls that are voting in the the, Demo the uh, Congressional District 2 primary, which they're not supposed to be, but they could be, who knows. Uh, Magazine didn't even live in the district. So, I that is a tight one, but no one should be surprised if you saw the debate yesterday. I mean, I, I go back to 2014, Magazina tore apart Frank Caprio in the 2014 Democrat primary for treasurer. Tore him apart, for, tore him apart. And that was, and Caprio had been the treasurer. <laughs> then he ran for governor and lost and was trying to make a comeback. But um, so he was just trying to get his old job back and Magazina completely tore him apart. So it's... He's not to be underestimated. He, People get better when they debate, and when you're a good debater, you, you really get better. So I, I, um, I would like people to pay attention to the lieutenant governor's race. I'll tell you, folks, the way we do the elections, the CD2 race, the Fung Magazine race has taken away from a lot of the other races. Now, what Rhode Island should do is, if you remember, it used to be Every four years, you'd have the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics. And they thought, hey, wait a minute. Why don't we break it up? So then the Summer Olympics are held every four years. The Winter Olympics are held every four years. But in the, they now do it every two years, there's Olympic Games. That's what we should do with the Rhode Island elections. For instance, it should be, and I'm not sure exactly how they could do it, but um, in, in 20, you know, this election cycle, it should be governor, lieutenant governor, and then two years for a four-year term, and then two years from now, we should hold secretary of state, general treasurer, attorney general. Because those, those races are important, but they get no attention because the entire focus goes on to the, you know, the, the race for governor. Um, and especially with the race for governor, you had a very hotly contested primary. So, it would be far, far better if, in fact, we, we broke it up in that manner. Now, I want to talk about, so I attended last night. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how many debates I've gone to, but I went to the debate last night. Uh, the final debate was at Rhode Island College, Channel 10. Gene Villasenti was the host. Uh, very well put together debate. Ashley K., Republican Ashley Kalis, Governor Dan McKee. Now, folks, I recognize right now a lot of people are listening to me in Cumberland and that he was your governor there. And I'll even say when he was the mayor of Cumberland and he started those mayoral academies, which basically charter schools, but it was different. It was interesting. The governor speaks, Governor McKee speaks with great pride about his accomplishment there. Now, I didn't know him really at all when he was lieutenant governor. And, you know, he was the mayor, then he became the lieutenant governor, and then obviously he won a very difficult primary. <clears throat> so I was... My dealings with Governor McKee really started once he became the governor and Gina Raimondo left. And in the very beginning, I, I gave him a lot of credit. I viewed Governor McKee as someone that was just kind of, you know, that Raimondo ignored, kept to the sidelines, 
Um, and, and he, you know, he had a lot of money to spend. And he was reopening things. And I even cheered him on when he went up to Federal Hill and had the fight with the Lorzer and the whole thing. But what really struck me is this governor, the governor who lives with his mother, the governor who lives with his mother, and a very charming story of that. But as I looked at his crowd now, and I want you to hear me out, folks. And again, it's the John DePietro Show. It's, it's Friday, and um, I've noticed it, and I really see it in the crowd. It is... Um, and by the way, this portion of the program is brought to you by the Coheset Inn. Hey, a great meal. Why not kick off the weekend? A great lunch with the Coheset Inn. 226 Coheset Avenue in, in West Warwick. So, um, so folks, the, the, the thing about who Governor McKee has suddenly found himself with now, I, I'm going to, it reminds me, it, it's just, it so doesn't match. What I believe happened with Dan McKee came in with the best of intentions. I believe that. And through the summer and into the fall of the pandemic, you know, we started running into some problems. Uh, obviously, that September with the whole business of the ILO thing. And then he ran into problems with his chief of staff. So we started to run into some problems with the media and how he viewed them. Um, <clears throat> and, and then his approval ratings were down. And, and by all accounts... And Ashley Kalis even said it, you know, Lieutenant Governor or Mayor McKee wouldn't recognize Governor McKee. He threw everything in with the unions and the special interests. And because basically the way it seems, he just gives them whatever they want. He just seems to be a yes man. I know it sounds uh, degrading, but he, he's like a puppet on a string to the special interest and the unions. But his crowd last night, the crowd that now supports him, it, it kind of reminds me of Lion King when Scar takes over the kingdom and then it's the hyenas are then his his allies. Folks, the McKee crowd last night, they are rough looking. It was such a contrast. The Ashley Kalis people, they're there and they're enthusiastic and they're energetic and they just seem so believing that change is possible and they, they, they seem to be, and they seem intelligent and they're there for the right reasons. The McKee crowd the McKee crowd last night, I mean, they are rough, they're dirty looking, they're all, there's nothing wrong with smoking, but they're all smoking out in front. They are tattooed, there were felons in the crowd last night. The McKee crowd, the crowd that now goes along with him, they're just, and, and sleazy, in, I recognize sleazy inside political insiders are there. I mean, like, the sleaze factor was at a big high last night with the McKee camp at that debate. I mean, all of the lowest forms, the people that they, they look shaky, they are shaky, they wear cheap-looking clothes with cheap cologne. Ah, oh, I could smell them. They all have the smoker's cough. Let's go, damn McKee! That, you know, that woman in that ad, Hey, Ashley, you ain't from Rhode Island. She... She sums up, that is, you know, you're Governor McKee standing up there. And those are the people cheering him on. Folks, they all have, it's all because they all have deals. They all have sleazy deals. They have their hooks into him so deep. I just wonder, is he even enjoying being the governor? What a contrast between the two groups of supporters. The McKee people, the McKee supporters that I saw, let me tell you, it is such a contrast from the the guy, you know, uh, playing cards with his mother in the kitchen and the daughter who's so talented. I mean, his family seems lovely. And I, I haven't, we really haven't seen the son on the trail, but I, I believe his son was involved with the commercial. And and then, um, uh, you know, they, they, they seem to be nice people, but the people that he, he that are behind him, they're, they're just... They're dirty, they're rough, they're sleazy. There were there were felons there last night. There were ex-cons there last night. They have the, the and the, it's the guys with the bad jailhouse tats. You can tell on their neck and so forth. They were there to fight in case anything broke out, and they were there because they were told to be there. And then the union bosses come in. You know, so I'm doing the. If you saw my, you know, one on the scene, I was doing the pre-debate stuff. Do you know the state police came up to me and told me not they, the 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 goons down in the crowd, 
didn't like that I was filming the crowd. It reminds me of the beginning scene of The Godfather when they're at the wedding and the guy takes a picture of them. <clears throat> we later learned it was Barzini, I think, at the at the table. And um, it wasn't Tatalia. And then he he points to one of his goons and they go and they grab the camera from the guy. I mean, it was that type of crowd. They were there. You know, the McKee people last time, they... It was very telling with the crowd last night because they, I covered that debate. It was in the very beginning of uh, October. <clears throat> and it was um, the Providence Journal and it was the Public's Radio. And, and McKee, the, the governor's people didn't have a big turnout there because they thought the election was in the bag. The election is tightening up. The, it's definitely closer. It's Where is it? McKee has the lead going into this final weekend. I think if Ashley Kalis, I think, you know, it's a tough one to call, folks, because of we don't know about the mail ballots. We just don't know about the mail ballots. So, you know, I don't, I don't like this system of government, but what a difference of the people that were there. The people that were there for McKee, they, when they look at him, they just see dollar signs, right? It's like the old Bugs Bunny cartoon when the, they're in the desert and they start seeing mirages. So then when you look at, you know, Porky Pig or whoever, you just see a pork chop and they just see him as a giant dollar sign. But what a contrast in crowd. The Kalis people were there. They liked the idea of change. They like an outsider. They seem to be earnest. They seem to be intelligent, uh, well-behaved, enthusiastic, just and actually cleaner looking. The McKee supporters are dirty and rough and uneducated. And before it even started, they're burping. The McKee section, they're all like burping and breaking wind. And uh, those bad smoker coughs. And, oh, hey, Dan. Oh, my God. It was, I, I tell, I'm telling you, at one point with the, when a group of McKee people came in, I... I almost went to look to see because I thought maybe a bus had just pulled up from the ACI. Like, oh, okay, this is different. Maybe they're going to let some prisoners, some inmates, attend the final debate. I mean, it was, it was that rough. It was, it was part of, I saw some of the, um, it was the protesters from Pawtucket that were walking the line where they, they all protest, the Teamsters, and they have the big blown-up uh, fat pig in the background. It's like that crowd. It is, um, to use like a football stadium, it's like those guys that wear, they used to wear the, well, the, I mean, those guys probably aren't that bad, but it's, it's like the back of the bleacher crowd. It's the upper deck at Gillette. It is, you know, just a really seedy, and some of the state house insiders that were there, I mean, they are so slippery. You know, you have uh, attorneys that lost their law license and sleazy politicians and they're all there because they have a vested interest. They have made an investment in, in the McKee campaign. They have promises there. Governor McKee had a $1 billion in IOUs sitting in that audience. That's what it was like. They're there. They have a lot riding on this election. Governor McKee has put him in a position. He's made promises to these people, and they want their money. They don't want to hear anything. The truck tolls, they want their money. It's promised money, right? Soccer stadium, Superman building, all of those deals. Hey, they have deals. They expect them to be held up, right? It's like in Goodfellas. Blank you, pay me. Hey, no, no, you owe me that money, pal. We're going to get it one way or the other. Um, if, if, uh, if, if it had been like in a, in a tall building, you'd almost expect some of them, before the debate, to be holding Governor McKee out the window by his ankles, threatening to drop him unless he uh, promises to cough up more money. He has found himself, it's like Scar and Lion King. He has found himself in with a pack of hyenas. All they care about is feeding the beast. All they care about is money. They don't care what they have to do, how they're going to get it. They just want their money. Um, it's, it's, uh, in, in, in some ways, it's so unfortunate that that's who he's kind of thrown his lot in with. But it was very telling. Now, as far as the debate itself, I thought uh, Gene Delacente ran a very good debate. I think Ashley Kalis had some moments there. I think she's proven to be a viable alternative. I think um, 
I'll say this. I think she left a lot on the table. And I'm not trying to be critical. I know it's difficult for them up there. She's definitely gotten better as she's going along. She's never done this. But the, um, I don't know, where was President Biden last night? Meaning, how come he wasn't mentioned? Governor McKee said Biden is the best president Rhode Island's ever had. I mean, I, don't, I just don't know why you don't challenge him on that. Why isn't he called out on that? I think crime. Crime should have been brought out. I think there's a lot of people uncomfortable with the direction of the state. One of the best questions held last night at Channel 10 with that gubernatorial debate of Governor Dan McKee and Ashley Kalis, I think one of the best lines when Gene finally said, what about for the regular people that work hard, pay their bills, pay their taxes, uh, commute every day, try to raise a family. Everything is geared towards panhandlers, homeless, those that choose not to work, uh, drug addicts. I also thought, I mean, I'm glad Gene asked about those injection centers. I think that was a missed opportunity. I think, I think Ashley Kalis could, I just think she could have thread the needle. Now, we spoke to her after the debate. <clears throat> she certainly looks the part. She's not afraid to get up there and calling them out. Parts of it were also comical, as Governor McKee's saying that the FBI's, they're not investigating, they're reviewing the situation. Well, okay. Yeah, the FBI went into Mar-a-Lago to review the situation at Mar-a-Lago. I bet Buddy Cianci would have been relieved to find out with Operation Plunderdome that, that the FBI was just reviewing Providence City Hall, not investigating Providence City Hall. I'll tell you, the word games, I know they like to play cards, but he should play Scrabble. The word games this governor uses is just in incredible. I mean, he, he is the ultimate, you know, I, I'm sure he must like Bill Clinton because they'd have a lot in common with the, it depends on what the definition of his is. Right, Governor McKee would, you know, and then Governor McKee last night, suddenly, miraculously, he has the test scores. He's like a magician. It's like he was going to pull them out of his sleeve or a bouquet of flowers. One debate, he doesn't have them. Then he says, oh, I meant I didn't have them on me. And then the next, I mean, it, it's just, um, wow. Well, the contrast is set. I think there was a lot of time spent on electricity. I know that's an important for a lot of people. It's important for everybody, but... I think there's some, some weaknesses there. I think there's some other ways to thread the needle. I'll say this, Ashley Kalis, she has walked the walk and talked the talk. No one is doubting that. She put her money where her mouth is. She stepped up. She went all in. She has gone all out. And she certainly stepped up to the plate with how much she was willing to put in. So, folks, the debates are over. This is the final weekend. Now, I have not voted. I'm going to vote on Tuesday. I know a lot of people have voted. See, I get nervous about that. What about someone that maybe already voted for McKee, and now they're thinking, you know what, maybe I will vote with this woman. Maybe I'll take a shot. Maybe I, I won't go with a political insider. With Governor McKee, folks, uh, if anyone's expecting anything to change when he gets a four-year term, you're going to be very, very disappointed because nothing's going to change. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Listening to The John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. Joining us right now, he is the columnist with the Boston Globe. He is Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, in uh, today's roadmap, you mentioned just, boy, it is uh, really unprecedented. I don't remember the last time, if ever, actually. Maybe that's why I'm using the word unprecedented. The Rhode Islands have this type of attention. Patrick Kennedy races used to draw some attention, but not like this. And we're talking about the race in CD2. Alan Fung and Seth Magaziner. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, you go back to those Patrick Kennedy races and, and, you know, in some cases, I think, right, it was just the name and it was, oh, another Kennedy is going to win. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, another Democrat, you know, is going to win and it happens to be a Kennedy. You know, obviously, Patrick had a lot of his own issues, so you had that component to it. You know, in this case, it's an authentic, uh, you know, uh, reality, I guess, and that, that you, the, the national attention that's being paid to this race uh, is because, you know, pretty much everybody believes that this race is, uh, at worst, razor thin. And, at, and for in Alan Fung's case, uh, you know, best case scenario is, is a win for Alan Fung. Um, roadmap I wrote about. David Axelrod, right? The guy who was the architect of President Obama, right? Was with Obama when he ran for Senate, was with him, you know, for the famous speech at the convention in, in 04, 06, um, 04, excuse me. Um, it, it, you know, what in, in, you know, has always, uh, has always been kind of a face uh, behind Obama for a long time, uh, says, 
The race he's looking at Tuesday night, next Tuesday night, is Rhode Island's second district. He says, Wow. He says it's because, you know, he thinks that Rhode Island's the canary in the coal mine. If, if, you know, if Alan Fung wins in Rhode Island, that's a, you know, a precursor for what happens all across the country to uh, to Democrats. And, you know, they pointed out pretty accurately that, Rhode Island, you know, we could get a good sense of the Rhode Island results, you know, in that eight o'clock hour, uh, right? Eight to nine, maybe, maybe sometime in the nines where you actually get a race, the race called. Think about it. In other parts of the country, you know, polls are still going to be open. And so there's yeah. going to be a lot of early coverage, I think, next Tuesday night. If you're really glued to midterm election coverage, I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to Rhode Island because, just like, again, the way we count our election results, we already, you know, we're going to have all the mail ballots done for the most part, uh, you know, ahead of time. You're, and then it just happens to be a small state. So you're going to get a good sense really early next week um, of, of where things are going. And again, David Oxenrod says, you know, again, if it happens there, you, then you move over to potentially in Connecticut, a Republican could win. Potentially New York's going to be, you know, really have a bunch of Republicans. And then, you know, for, then you move out of the Northeast and you start to see uh, that red wave, particularly on the House side, I think. Uh, but I mean, I, you know, I think everybody also agrees that the Senate is really at best the 50-50 toss-up. Okay, McGowan, tomorrow afternoon, excuse me, a rare afternoon debate yeah. is the final debate between Seth Magaziner and Alan Funk. Where does Dan McGowan see the race right now? I, uh, as someone that lives in CD2, and I, I, I think, are you also in CD2? I in am, yeah, Providence? I'm in that yes. part of Providence that is I, CD2. I, uh, yeah. I think the, the mailers, I, I just tossed them out. I mean, I, I, I think that is an overused uh, old form of, of campaigning. But where, where do you see the race right now? Because Magazina has pivoted a little bit, but it, it seems like they're just staying on the message they have. This whole business of that he could decide to make Kevin McCarthy if Fung wins the speaker. That's actually not even true. It doesn't matter whether he wins or not. Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker. But where do you see the race right now, Dan McGowan? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it is. I've always thought, like, Alan has a major advantage here. The only thing I would say is that I think it's, I think Alan has proven over, you know, two statewide elections that there is a ceiling for, for Alan and for Republicans in Rhode Island. And so what I mean by that is, you know, I think Alan Fung can win the election at 48% of the vote. Yep. If, if you're asking him to get 50, to get 51, uh, I think that's really hard. I think it'll be yeah. very, I, th I think the higher you get, um, I think it becomes just, it becomes very difficult for a Republican in Rhode Island. Uh, and so I think that's the thing to, to really pay close attention to. You know, if I'm going into this debate, the last debate tomorrow night, uh, I, I, it's an interesting one because as we know, we saw this in the primary, the way Gene Valicenti from Channel 10 kind of handles debates very different than, yes. than uh, Channel 12. He's going to let them kind of swing at each other and go back and forth. I, yep. I think that that sets Alan Fung up to be in a pretty good space because what you've seen in some of the other debates is, you know, Seth Magaziner would be very aggressive, but Alan Fung, you know, playing kind of a cool con card I think people like that. I think people, you know, are appreciative of, of somebody who's going to say, wait a minute, like, calm down, take a deep breath, you know, let me explain my position. But the one risk is, you know, you could have a situation where, you know, uh, hour-long debate, Seth Magaziner speaks for 42 minutes and, you know, maybe, maybe kind of dominates Alan in some ways. Uh, but if I'm Alan Fung, I, I like that format. I, I want to come across. I don't want to make any, you know, silly mistakes on policy issues that could get me in a in a tough, you know, bind. Uh, I want to come out of there looking again confident and cool. Um, and you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, on the mailers, you've got a great point. You know, this it, it, it's interesting. Like you've seen the Democrats nationally kind of switch back to try to, you know, remind people that they care about the economy too. But all the mailers. 
my every mailer I'm getting is about abortion and Alan Fung. Yes. Uh, even Alan Fung is sending out, by the way, yeah. uh, abor- or, or you know, people on behalf of Alan Fung are sending out, you know, this is where he stands to correct the, the, the record. I think Alan's in a really good place. Uh, I think he can win this race, uh, obviously. Uh, but, again, I wouldn't be surprised if you and I are talking next Wednesday morning and we're saying, ah, you know, you know, Seth squeaked it out by, you know, by winning 50%, 50 to 49 or something like that. What do you think of the fact that debate's going to be at four o'clock in the, in the afternoon? Does that have a factor? It is on NBC 10 and they obviously do very well in this town. And what about also the fact that this time the, uh, the, the moderate party, uh, Gilbert, he will not be on the stage. I don't believe he's on stage with them. I've heard that he is. Yeah. I haven't heard that he is either. I think the 4 p.m. is 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 an it's a, it's a strange decision because look you just you do lose now you know viewers from from just that early in the day uh, you know people are not home from work yet those kind of things I do think Channel 10 is trying to make a play the way Channel 12 has at the four o'clock hour yeah uh, you know they're going they're going to be launching a four o'clock news show so I think this you know this may be a little bit of a kind of teaser towards that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's smart. I think it's smart by Channel Ten. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think you run the risk potentially of you know kind of a random you know Thursday afternoon, uh, people might not see it. And the you know the one major difference I think that between Channel Ten and Channel Twelve, Channel Ten gets the ratings. Channel Ten is not quite as good uh, with the digital stuff, right? They're not right. They're not as good at sharing out and you know, having people Agreed. see their story, yeah. or, you know, the, the debate, whereas Channel 12 gets life from its debates, you know, they have the big showing, you know, uh, initially when it's live, but then it yep. gets a couple extra thousand views. Sure. Um, they put uh, a lot into it. Yeah, they, put, they, they make does. that conscious effort. So I think that's a challenge. Um, but again, the, the, the onus here is on Seth Magaziner, right? He, I think we would agree he's, you know, at best, it is even. I, I think it's more likely Fung is in the lead, and so Seth has to make the showing here. And so a four o'clock debate uh, is probably not the best thing for him. He wants this to be in prime time. Uh, you know, yeah. in fact, if I were that, you know, it's in some ways, if I was Channel Ten, I'd want to switch the, re- the the debates. I'd want the the Congress debate to be at seven right. and the governor's debate to be at four. The only and I heard about that. What I heard is just because it's statewide. And yeah, then therefore they want to do that. And you're going to get more of the elderly. So yeah. um, in some way, I think it favors Fung. I mean, we'll see. Fung has come this close. He's run a great race. Now he needs to close it out. He's getting a lot of national press. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DeVito Show. This is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home, residential, commercial, seal coating and patios. Make it letter J, J Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call them today for a free estimate, 401-732-1730. The next couple of months, get your driveway prepared for wintertime. Call J Perry Paving today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. Licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big or how small. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving today. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Remember, even asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. Look for them on Facebook and call 401-732-1730. Remember, no one's better to veterans than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, free estimate, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Folks, you are listening to the John DeVitro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. Joining us right now, she is an independent columnist, opinion maker. It's one of my siblings. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, I want to start off our conversation just, um, <clears throat> I want people to understand that as we're talking, we don't have yet all the details with this. Um, I, I don't, I'm not still not sure what to make of it. This very unusual, bizarre story with Paul Pelosi, yep. Nancy Pelosi's husband, and um, in somehow an intruder into the home and he's, 
hitting him with the hammer. And, and I mean, you feel terrible hearing this, uh, you know, cracked his skull. This, what is, what is also, again, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of this just because the, the rumors that are flying out and coming from the West coast are that maybe there's something more to this story that, you know, she's not around and he did have the drinking problem. We got nailed on the DUI mm. and, yeah. and, um, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I know they're pointing to it, and that was my first reaction, the discourse of the country, but I, there could be something larger here that just, we're immediately, when something happens, the distrust, both sides go into their corners, and um, and, and then therefore, you know, the the whole thing, it, it does seem kind of murky and, and confusing, and so I, I, I'm not sure exactly where we are, but already both sides have seemingly gone into their corners. Yeah, and I, I do, I do want to say, John, by the earliest reporting of it, um, of course, so chilling and disturbing. Um, right. And I do think it is a wake up call for everyone. And I, I would say the way this person who we've have found out, you know, was way out there, um, was was clearly knew whose home he was going into, though, um, yes. and calling their names. So, I, I find the fact that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, this huge national figure uh, and someone who's sometimes is sleeping in a bus or something, you know, he's clearly very active online. He's following all this. So yeah. I would agree that, you know, I just think it, it by all accounts we have so far, the you know, Mr. Pelosi, um, Paul Pelosi definitely could have been murdered. Yes. Um, and so it's, I mean, you know, it, it really is chilling. And I, I just think obviously if she had been there, it was the middle of the night, you know, um, they are, though they're powerful, they're 78 and 80, et cetera. So, I mean, she could have been murdered. I think we, we do, I do think this, um, from the Democratic Party perspective on this one, they obviously have a right to feel very disturbed and chilled by it. Um, right. I mean, this does look like, you know, I'm trying to get you her, Nancy. And then they're saying he was bringing the, um, you know, the apparatus to tie them up and all this stuff. So but on the other hand, I think in in tackling this and and looking at it what what we don't need is for there to be more you know accusations and and finger pointing on both sides john and right. and yes. you know and there are fanatics everywhere i will right. say i do think it can get too hot there are some sure. some media figures who then feel you know they do go after the family member or there's yes I mean, I have been a little outspoken. I just feel like the Hunter Biden stuff, it's enough already. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, yes. I, there's enough to go after Biden politically, right. policy-wise. So in, yes. in terms of Nancy Pelosi, you can be very against her. But I think that it, it's gone to another level. So, Well, and, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, to be at a rally and call Nancy Pelosi, she's a traitor and treason should be treated with death. Listen, that is, you know, yeah, very, yeah. That, that is fueling, you know, some nuts. But there are elements of this, DJ, that you just wonder, like, number one, they've had other problems at that house. So people know where she lives. There was some protests there. Someone painted, yes. like, you know, some spray stuff. I think they even left a pig's head there a couple of years ago. So, you know, it's the house. But I, I'm surprised. You're talking about third in line to the president, right? President, vice yeah, president, the right. speaker of the house. Like, okay, so she's not there, but <clears throat> they're certainly of means. So I'm surprised, number one, that they, they wouldn't have more security. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a, a security guard there that's right. there during the course, just the night. Like a lot of people of means at least have someone like from 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the morning. And all right, so he broke in whoever this, this guy is, this Paul in the back. But like, how come that didn't set off alarms? And I mean, just you're a regular person. If you heard someone crash in, I would think you're immediately on the phone with nine one one. You're not going down with a hammer. Or I, I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm still the the whole thing. And again, I get it that he was beaten, and and the police go in, and he's there, and was supposedly talking yeah. to the police where they could hear. But the whole thing does seem odd. But I I think what I feel most shocking is just that an 82-year-old man who's married to Nancy Pelosi is seemingly alone in the home right. with, with no security. And 
I, I would think they would have security cameras. Right. But I, I just find the whole thing very puzzling. Well, I agree because, <clears throat> you know, obviously this very elaborate brick mansion really is yes. what it looks like in that um, part of San Francisco, surrounded yeah. by other very wealthy homes. Um, and someone of her stature, I also agree with you. I, I don't understand how third in line to the presidency is not entitled to, you know, um, a lot of personal security, um, right. whether she's in Washington and that's her home. And, and then it, I think it raises questions maybe, John, about their own desire for privacy, sure. whether, you know, and people like that, let's face it, um, you know, he had the very widely reported DUI. Right. Um, she's on the road all the time. She is not there much. And, and again, now it could be that there's security and he doesn't like to use it or something. Yeah. I do. I, I do think, you know what I mean? Like, to, because let's, let's just yeah. be honest on it. Perry. I mean, he, they're 80, he's 82. They certainly have power. They also have their ravines. I don't even understand. How does someone like that not have a driver? So you want to go out and you're having some right. wine or whatever drinks, right. but like that is odd to me as well. I mean, there are people, there are college kids that pile into an Uber and Paul right. Pelosi is driving himself driving from Napa. DUI. What if he had hit and killed someone? I mean, like the whole, I'm not sure what to make of them. And I yes, have a feeling we're going to learn more. My first reaction was, you know, the partisanship and how horrifying it was. But the more you kind of get into it, I, I'm just surprised. Number one, A, he didn't have his own driver. And then two, there's no staffer or even just out of their own pocket security guard that you have from nine o'clock at night till six o'clock in the morning, just right. so he's not alone, an 82 year old man alone in the house. <laughs> right. And a, a, someone of their stature would, could have a beeline to the police department and not right. just have to like randomly call 911. Yeah, no, it seems odd. Folks, quick break, much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro show. Propane plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 we're speaking with our legal expert. It is attorney Tim Dunn. Tim, uh, President Trump has earned his own segment here as part of our segment. Uh, take a pick. Uh, he's constantly in the news with legal elements. One was apparently he did get a stay with the Supreme Court regarding uh, he was asking them to intervene in one of his legal matters. Yes, he he got an emergency stay. Or res- yep. uh, the tax uh, returns. Yeah, about turning his um, tax returns over to the appropriate congressional committee. So that's not a ruling on the merits of his request. That's temporarily calling a timeout. The Supreme Court is so it can be briefed further, and um, further arguments can be made. Um, I think ultimately. The Supreme Court, after having um, afforded President Trump this time out, will ultimately rule that he does have to turn over those tax returns. Oh, wow. I, don't, I don't just because they've given him a stay. I wouldn't read into it that uh, they're going to um, rule in his favor on the. Tim Dad, what about these stories? The GOP bracing for Trump indictment soon after Election Day. It seemingly is has gone quiet on uh, some of those fronts. Well, there's the lots of speculation in the political, you know, world in the political uh, print media that after the midterms it's likely that Merritt Garland will charge the president regarding this Mar-a-Lago situation with obstruction and other crime 
criminal charges. And Merrick Garland is in a situation where he is necessarily on a fast track. Yep. Technically, well, it's it's not technically, traditionally, when political candidates are running for office, um, the um, Justice Department tries not to stick its nose in um, and charge individuals with crimes, et cetera, so yep. as to interfere with the election process. Now, we're in 2022. The presidential election is in 2024. Merrick Garland's going to want to charge President Trump, if he can, as soon as possible, because let's assume that Trump announces shortly after the midterms that he's running and he starts to raise money and he's a declared candidate and he starts doing all of the things that a candidate would do Um, under ordinary circumstances that might keep the justice department from filing criminal charges against a presidential candidate. However, I don't think the rules apply with this administration and with a compliant media. Um, So I think that if Trump declared for president and the next day Merrick Garland indicted him, um, Trump would be upset. He'd be crying foul. Right. Um, But I I don't think much more would happen. I think Merrick Garland would say I'm calling balls and strikes. And, you know, the media is not going to, um, wake up and say, wait a minute, even though this is Trump and we may not elect Trump, this is a very bad precedent to be set for future candidates in future elections. Oh. Um, but if Trump declared that on November 9th, I don't think that would dissuade Merrick Garland from indicting. And I think he but, will. Yeah. And you do think he will. Oh, yeah. They, uh, to, 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 keep, to keep Trump on the ropes politically. Yes if nothing else. Yeah. And and uh, it should be noted, and again, folks, who's the legal expert, Attorney Tim Todd, um, as someone, you know, the two of us, we discuss this, and then I follow it as close, I would say, as anyone in the media. But um, to date, we, we still haven't heard, uh, and maybe that's because of his lawyers, but he, we haven't heard an explanation of exactly why he did have those documents at, at, at Mar-a-Lago or some of the actions that you know, that were leading up to that. We know that they were certainly seemingly squeezing that military aid that he had. And But you got the Secret Service there. You have footage there. Um, you had that Christina Bob signing the document, swearing that, that it wasn't there. But maybe it's because of his, um, there's been speculation. Chris Christie was saying he thought he was just kind of keeping it as a trophy because he's no longer included in intelligence briefings. He wanted to be able to show, you know, guests and so forth that, see, I still have this stuff Um but um, but we, we, we have not heard any type of, of explanation, and maybe they're, they're waiting to see if, in fact, they're going to have to um, need it or use it in a court of law. But, Tim Dodd, you and I have um, discussed for quite some time, you know, you have this situation where a number of Asian students get rejected at Harvard. It has nothing to do with, with uh, capability and uh, scores and what they do with SATs and the basic grades, but basically Harvard – set a limit on the number of Asian students that they could get into Harvard and they started rejecting them. And then this practice kind of became widespread with different universities. And this, this case finally has made its way to the Supreme court. And um, I'm curious how you, what we, we know so far and how you think this is going to come down. I think the Supreme court during the arguments this week um, displayed much skepticism towards the notion of racial preferences in admission um, practices at Harvard and other institutions. I mean, test scores are test scores, grades are grades, recommendations are recommendations. You know, you can be editor of the yearbook and captain of the football team, and there's all these um, intangible things that can influence who gets accepted to colleges. There's geographic considerations. There's all kinds of considerations. But I think these Asian students are saying, well, wait a minute. If we're disproportionately good candidates, academically, socially, you know, extracurricularly in every other way, 
why are we getting uh, rejected although we're the best candidates and I'm I'm paraphrasing there and I think Harvard has said you know we look at other intangible things right you know are these students courageous you yeah. know are they bold what, what does that even mean mm. um, trying to come up with adjectives which they can say we rely on in our selection process. Um, I think that the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the Asian students, but I think they will do it with a carve out to preserve much of the affirmative action systems that uh, permeate um, many, many uh, facets of our societal interaction. I don't think it's going to be an outright um, discarding of the notion of racial preferences. I don't think they're going to go that far. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Segment Tim Dodd, legal expert right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility, providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, dipietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link, contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter, it's all right there at the website, dipetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipetro.com. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. <laughs> 